You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to 32 Fans in 32 Days. I'm Alex Chester. With me, as always, is Wheels Wienerker. Wheels, how's it rolling? It's going great. Uh, I, the nation waits with bated breath to hear part two of your Peloton story. No, no, stop it. We're, being, we're posting <laughs> these in some random order. Different well, than how we're about you make them. it a regular order then, Alex? Uh, anyway, I'm excited. We have a wheel. Okay, fine. I, well, let, me yeah. say th- let me say this. I did something we don't normally do, and you know, we tried to get some fresh blood on the podcast, and I said, Let's tweet out some of the lesser, you know, t- teams of where maybe we don't have a friend or a, a regular guest, and let's get them. And we did I one. I won't Jordan's say the not n- my friend. Jordan is your friend, but I forgot he existed, and I tweeted <laughs> out of the Lions. Sorry, Jordan. Yeah. Sorry to Clarence Black. He's a regent in the University of Michigan. He got elected to statewide office. Yeah, He's no, got a blue I know. check mark on Twitter. What do you have? I I DM'd him. I said like, if there's a person who went to Michigan. And they are mean about my podcast. Can we get their um, like diploma re- reneged? And uh, I was, you know, I didn't know if it was for Dr. Jen or Ali Lasher. It could have been for anybody. Yeah. But yeah, whose degree you're trying to renege? It depends. Whoever's I mean. Rescind is probably a more accurate word. I rescind. Don't yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm sorry. Listen, I didn't. I didn't go to a fancy school like University of Michigan. I went to YU, which the time yeah. was probably ranked the same as. Anyway, um, so Michigan's, yeah, we Michigan's had a, the Harvard of the West. It's in the West, anyway. Um, we, we had a random Twitter guest and it was, by the way, Dr. Jen's offended that I said that Harvard is the Michigan of the East. Okay. And then, and now we're going to do it again. And I I bet it's going to go great. Yeah. Um, So let's talk lions mm -hmm. here to talk the lions. Uh, so why don't you tell us Akiva where you got our guest Jeremy from? I just said from Twitter. Well, actually, this wasn't just like somebody. Wait, so he's DMing. a random Twitter person. So he's not. He's not totally random. No, uh, Ben Standig, who is in the like Rob's greater universe. Okay. Is, um, and and Ben's been on, who's been on this podcast before. Yes. Yeah. He's a draft expert. He is the Washington football team correspondent for the athletic. Mm-hmm. And he said, I have a friend. His name is Jeremy. Jeremy Hyman. Hyman, I think. Uh, and uh, and Jeremy is a big Lions fan. So let's uh, let's talk to Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Jeremy, how you doing? Jeremy, do you live in uh, in the glove, the mitten, whatever they call it? I I do not. My family, my family's from Michigan, but I was uh, grew up outside of Boston, actually. 
So well, I have great a, job picking the lines. Smart, the smart choice. Smart choice. We, you want to? <laughs> I mean, it makes him a better person. It just makes him a dumber one. Yeah. No, for sure. The, yeah. You have much more character than anybody else uh, who, who grew up near you, for sure, Jeremy. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate that. I've lived with this for the last two decades of Patriots Super Bowls and playoff wins and living through Lions misery. I mean, there's re- it's really like, are the Lions the inverse of the Patriots, Alex? Over the last 20 years? Yes. In this 21st century, are the Lions the worst no, team in the argue, NFL to root I, well, for? I would, no, I would argue Washington. Remember, post-Barry Sanders. I would argue Washington is worse. The RG3 year was much more exciting than any one year Detroit had. Yeah, but you forget look how, how exciting that one everything year. Everything in his ankle broke in the beginning of the playoff game, and then, I'm aware. Yeah. But I, I, I like what? How about this, Jeremy? What's been the high? So you've been a Lions fan since when? About 2000, the year 2000. Uh, no, through the 90s. I mean, I was a kid in the 90s, but I wait. Watched so do you remember the last time the Lions won a playoff game in 91? Or were you too young for that? No, I was three okay. years old. I have okay. A very. Oh, right, so you're a few years younger than us. But yeah. so, what has been the highlight of your Lions fan experience, Jeremy? That is a great question. And I remember actually, Barry's 2000 against the Jets? Vaguely. It's, it's, so hard, it's hard to answer that because we've just had so few like moments. Uh-huh. There, there were a couple of big uh, comeback wins. I want to say like the 2014 season. You know, it's all regular season. We don't have any playoff moments, of course. So, uh, you know, there was a great comeback against Dallas. I think that was 2014. Um, Dan Orlovsky running out of the back of the end zone. Where does that run? <laughs> that, that's, uh, that's, uh, there's a lot of lowlights. I'll tell you this. As a Lions fan, I could probably list you 10 of the worst moments of the last 20 years, a lot better than the 10 best moments, just because they stick out so much easier and so much more. All right. Well, let me make you feel a little bit better. So we have the Lions cumulatively ranked at 23. The listeners have them overall at 23. Akiba has them at 24. But I have him at 18, and I'm not saying that this is my prediction, but one of my best bets in the preseason is to pick the Lions to win the uh, NFC North. And frankly, the reason for that, it really has more to do with the Vikings and the Packers and the Bears than it does the Lions, which is, I think, they're plus 800 to win the division. And this is a division where no team is going to win more than 10 games, I don't think. And are you saying there's not a 1-8 chance that the Lions can win 10 games? I don't think that's the case. Again, I think that I have them at 18. I think they're about an average team. Uh, I'm looking at at the individual rankings from our listeners. Not a single listener has them ranked higher than 16. So yeah, so most of our listeners have them in the 20s. A few people agree with me. Oh boy, uh, one person of us is at 32, a couple of other people are at 30, 31. So there's a lot of hate for the Lions, but I think they're about an average team. What, what's your initial takeaway coming into the season? Like where would you rank them out of 32 teams? I think they're, they're a middle of the pack team. You know, I think they're a lot better than the three twelve and one record they put up last year. Obviously, this is all if Stafford's if Stafford's healthy and their team is relatively healthy. You know, they shouldn't be anywhere near that bottom of the league tier of you know real just trash teams. They have they have too many good players for that. Um, I don't know. I think if everything were to go right for them and everything kind of breaks their way, which pretty much has never happened in my history of watching the Lions. I think they could definitely win 10 or 11 games and have a chance at winning the North. Um, but it's just, I don't know. I think as a Lions fan, we kind of get, we, we get, think optimistic, but we then get back to reality and think, you know, something's not going to go right. And they're probably going to go six and 10 or seven and nine and miss the playoffs again. 
Akiva, you have a rank 24, so give us the argument for why you sort of think the opposite. I think it's kind of, they're kind of a low upside team. I, listen, I, I think like, unlike the teams around them, they're, they're sort of, I don't want to say like ceiling, but like the odds of them not being the 24th best team because they were sort of eight and eight, nine and seven. Maybe the Bears collapse or something and like they're not the bottom of the division at all. It definitely, it, it, it's, it definitely exists. I do, like, like you said, they do have a lot of good players. I think there aren't a lot of teams that have, I mean, even, uh, you know, Galladay and Marvin Jones, I, I'm, not, I'm not really a believer in Danny Amendola. They did draft a, a receiver in, in the fifth round. Like, that, that's still a pretty solid underrated duo. Marvin Jones, I think, one of the more underrated receivers in the league. Between Carrion and DeAndre Swift, and I, I'm pretty sure, and, and you could tell us if I'm wrong, Jeremy, I, I think DeAndre Swift has not really played or not really shown much so far, but I could be wrong. Like, but between those two guys, the second round running back pick, which is essentially picking a first rounder nowadays, since almost no running backs go in the first round, uh, and carry on who's also a second rounder now in year three. Like, there's that's you know, there's definitely a lot of upside there. Oh, hold on, Akiva, uh, let, we'll get to the offense. I want to start with the defense for this team. Okay. Um, Great so here's, here's the thing. We've seen, obviously, <laughs> that the, uh, the Patriots coaches that have gone on to the rest of the league, with the possible exception of Brian Flores, who people are very high on, even though he hasn't won anything yet, have pretty much all been disasters. So Matt Patricia comes to Detroit. He replaces uh, Jim Caldwell, who I believe went 9-7 and seven in his last season. Jim Caldwell, who had made a playoff game. And Jim Caldwell, who nevertheless was sort of a, you know, not beloved in Detroit uh, or across the league. Patricia shows up. Uh, he's got the big, thick beard. He's got the Belichickian attitude. He has uh, some bad story about when he was a young kid and he allegedly did something. But um, he comes in, turns a 9-7 and seven team into a 6-10 and 10 team. All right, fine. Mulligan, one year, anything can happen. Uh, the next year, he turns a 6-win team into a 3-win team. So they've gone from 9-6 to six to 3. Does Matt Patricia finish out this season is my first question. That's well, that's I think that's the biggest question coming into this year for the Lions is this. I think for Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn, the general manager, this is absolutely a make or break year for both of them. And you know, the Fords have been, you know, notoriously loyal to their Lions coaches and to, to for you know, the Matt oh, Millen yeah. years. We, <laughs> we went through a lot of bad times over you know, over the last couple of decades. And I just, I if the Lions don't finish. 500 or better I'd say there's just no way that Patricia and Quinn could be back next year um, and I think you know Patricia came in with a lot of you know a lot of pizzazz coming from the Patriots and they've gone so overboard pushing this Patriots I mean you look at the the Lions rosters filled with I think 10 or 11 ex-Patriots yeah. they literally just tried to build the Patriot system and it's it's drafting it, you know they the, it's the way they draft it's the type of players they want it's the style the scheme the system everything they've done is to try to build the Patriots system here in Detroit and obviously it hasn't worked so far and this is a huge year for Patricia to try to turn that around and to show that you know, he's capable of winning games as a head coach and that the defense, you know, his, that's his pride. He's a defensive coach that he can, you know, make this defensive unit work as they're supposed to. Uh, it just hasn't worked so far. Yeah, Akiva was saying how, you know, this has been the, the unpatriots. But this is a team who, for most of the decade, you know, for most of the Stafford era, has been around an 8-8, eight, 9-7 eight, and seven team. You've made a couple wild cards. Uh, yep. Again, until the Patricia era, when things have really gone the wrong direction. So you talked about how he was, he was brought over from the Pats for his defense. Hasn't shown much defensively yet. This defense has had more turnover than probably any in the league. Darius Slay, Mike Daniel, Snacks Harrison, A'shaun Robinson, Devon Kennard, Rashawn Melvin, all gone. 
Uh, you yep. signed Desmond Trufant and J. Ron Curse uh, from the Vikings. You signed Jamie Collins uh, from the Pats. You signed Danny Shelton from the Pats. Traded it for uh, Harmon. So yep. a lot of high-profile names kind of put. And up you a drafted Akuda and Aquaro. Akuda, yeah, yeah. yeah well, so yeah. Akuda, So let's talk about Akuda first then, because. He, he was – I don't remember the last time a cornerback has been, you know, so hyped coming into a draft. Yeah. I mean, one of the high what, – what number – what pick did you guys have again? Four, three. Three? Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, what was the last corner that went higher than three? Uh, it's never happened. Uh, only never three happened, quarterbacks right? have ever gone in the top five. I actually did some research here, Kiwi. Um, uh, Jalen Ramsey went number five in 2016. Okay, that pick, pick. Well, okay. On the one hand, you say that's been a. He's not on the team man. anymore, but he's a very good player. Yes, but I'll yeah. note that the following two picks uh, both became all pros at more valuable positions. Ronnie Staley, the left tackle for the Ravens, who was first team all pro last year, and then yeah, edge rusher DeForest Buckner went seven. So yeah, but you can't say mm-hmm. that Jalen Ramsey's a bad pick. No. Nope. Two years later, the um, in 2018, another Ohio State Buckeye actually, Denzel Ward went number four to the Browns. Uh, you know, Ward has not been uh, very good so far. He's missed four games, I think, each of his first two years. And when he's played, he's about an average cornerback, I think. You need a lot more than that from Akuda. Slay's gone, as we said. Akuda has to become a star immediately. And, you know, we've never seen a cornerback go number three in the draft. Does that mean he's going to be a star immediately? What's your take? Well, that's, that's why it's so – I don't know if you want to say it's risky picking a guy that high because they're so – he seems like about as sure thing as a lockdown corner as you're going to get, but you're right. I mean, you, you take a guy at that position that high, you can't miss. And he can't just be good. Like he can't just be like a good number one corner. Like you, if you, you have to be great, you have to be all pro. You have to be one of the elite corners in the league. If you're going to be taking a guy at that, you know, at that position at that point in the draft. Um, and, and you know, all, all the signs so far have been good on him. Um, he seems like, you know, his meant the mental part of the game. They just like rave about just how, how prepared he's been. And he like seems to fit exactly what they want. You know, the man to man schemes that Matt Patricia loves to run. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, cautiously optimistic that he's going to be great. And I think, you know, he's, he's a, he's going to be a rookie. It's, I, I don't know if you expect him to, to be, an all pro this year. I don't know about that. I think if he shows that he can be, you know, a starting cornerback this year and a really good player and show signs like that, he's going to be our elite number one corner. That's kind of what I'd like to see this year. And I think, you know, you watch him over the next three, four years, try to develop into being one, if not the best corner in the league, one of the top, you know, those, you, you you all we all know the names the top corners in the league and that's that's what they need Okuda to be. Keith, how long did it take uh, Darrell Rivas to become an elite cornerback? Uh, it's the year two. So year one, like he was clearly very good, but when he would go up against Randy Moss, to be fair, you know the greatest receiver in history. It was the Rand, you know the Randy Moss uh, um, 07 year. Yeah. So nobody was stopping him, but you know Moss was playing with him a little bit, and To was playing with him. But yeah, by year two, he was he was you know immortal. Um, the but it's very funny looking at the roster when you when you can, when you break it down by where the players came from, because there are very few teams in the league uh, that like drafted that have more uh, free agent acquisitions. Like you said, there's so many guys out, but that also means so many guys in. Shelton, Flowers, Collins, Harmon, all coming from New England just on the defense alone. Right, uh, makes me laugh. Very few guys, you know, they Jared Davis. You guys drafted um, uh, four years ago. He's been very anonymous. But he's still on the team, uh, and then Tracy Walker, who's I think a pretty good player, right? He's uh, and and that's it. Those are the only right. guys you've drafted who are 
who are you know starting other than now the you know the the Akuda and Aquara possibly the rookie is right. pretty funny right and they dra- they had uh Julian Aquara as the rookie they drafted they had his older brother uh, Romeo who's been on the team a couple of years um, mm-hmm. so they they're they're excited about both the Aquaras the rookie out of Notre Dame he had a really i think a horrific leg injury if i remember right at Notre Dame i think he broke his leg um but they're excited about him uh you know oh and they play opposite positions right like they could be on the field together as defensive ends it's actually pretty cool yeah yeah and trey flowers was their big free agent signing from last year um he's he's i don't know it's hard to criticize him because i don't watch you know this isn't i don't watch the all 22 tape and break down the film and they say you know what great you know gap assignment he has and you know, he does a lot of good things against the run at, at that end position, but for the amount of money they gave him, he just, he doesn't disrupt the passer enough for me. Um, and that's, I, I don't know for me, like if you want an edge rusher, that's going to be a game break, you know, a game, a difference maker. I'd like to see him get after the passer a little bit more. Um, you know, he ended up getting some sacks at the end of the season when the team was basically irrelevant last year, but the first half of the year, he was invisible a lot of games and, I'd like to see more out of him this year. Um, and I also think you, you mentioned him earlier, but Jared Davis, the middle linebacker, this is a huge mm-hmm. year for him. I believe it's his contract year now. It's his yeah. fourth year. And he's been really disappointing for a first-round pick. Um, you, you see some flashes out of him, and he, there's talent there. He's not, you know, he's not a total bust, but he just – he continues he just hasn't developed and he continues to make mistakes that you just can't make as a starting middle linebacker in the nfl and i think i'm not alone speaking on behalf of lions fans that have watched you know every game and watched jared davis and know that he just has to be better and that's a big big piece in the middle of that defense um can we talk a little bit more about the offense alex um for a second i wanted to ask jeremy uh, so watching a quarterback like you have for a zillion years, yeah. is there anything that you think Stafford like can actually realistically, not that he should improve on, but like you've seen improvement. Have you seen him actually get worse at anything? You know, it's been so gradual, so long, like, uh, you know, of, of sort of like the same mediocrity, but not, not from Stafford, but from the team yeah. as a whole. Um, yeah. What have you seen? Like, how, what is it like? Because I've never had this watching yeah. a quarterback just be, and neither is Alex, like, just be the starting quarterback every single, you know, year in, year out, and you really grow with this guy. But what, what it, like, give us some unique stuff about Stafford. Yeah, no, it's, it's been fun. I mean, it's been fun because, you know, compared to what we had the decade before Stafford, you forget, like, how bad it was, you know, through the Joey Harrington years and John Kitna, and, you know, they had some other guys they threw in there, but Stafford, I, I, I'm always a Stafford kind of apologist and I always rank him and have loved him you know, almost since his rookie year. But um, the, the thing, like the hard part for me, like as a, I'm a diehard Lions fan, I'm, I'm a big Stafford fan. Like you've been there a decade now, last year he missed about half the year he was injured, but he played, a, you know, he made, I think I think he started six or seven consecutive years without missing a start. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the team still hasn't won a playoff game. And you're the quarterback of the football team. And, like, it's not all his fault. And it's not like if they had somebody else in there, they would have. And they had talent to do it. But he was the reason they w- that they didn't win. That's not at all what it is. 
But at the same time, if you're the quarterback and you've been the quarterback for a decade and the team still hasn't won a playoff game, there is some responsibility on Stafford too. So I try to look at the whole picture there. Um, in terms of like his actual talent, I mean, he had Calvin Johnson for so much of his career that, you know, he got a lot of slack about, you know, that he didn't have the skills, but he just had Calvin Johnson to throw the ball up to when he got in trouble, um, which I never thought was true and I never agreed with. But I think since Calvin's left, since Calvin has left and he's had to, you know, become more of a, um, you know, actually have to make some more throws that maybe he didn't have to make before, didn't have that kind of bailout option to just lob the ball up to Calvin when he's in trouble. Um, I, I, I've seen development out of, out of Stafford. I've seen him, uh, improve in terms of the mental part of the quarterback position, um, you know, going through progressions, making better reads, making, um, uh, I, I think his, his game management has improved, uh, since his earlier rook, you know, younger years, um, at the same time, I still want to see him like take the level to become elite. And I've been waiting for that. I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but He's still, I, maybe it's just because I got, you know, we get used to watching Aaron Rodgers in the division for so long and, you know, Rodgers just killed the Lions so many times and you, you just want to see Stafford like take that next level where he's goes out and just wins really tough games. I mean, this year's on the road is probably not going to mean the same as in the past because of no, if the fans aren't there, but, but just in terms of like going out and winning like a really big game on a Monday night football or, you know, a, a big prime time where he's the guy in the fourth quarter making the big plays like, you know, like the Rogers and the Brady's and now the Mahomes uh, type players where you see them kind of elevate and take their game to the next level. I don't know if, if he's been able to do that enough. I mean, yeah, he has, it's hard to say, like he has a ton of comeback wins he has in his career. Like he's made huge like clutch throws in the past but you look at his you know I know he always gets to knock about his record against winning teams um his record you know in prime time games is not good and his record on the road is not good I don't know if it's like I said it's not all on him but you know he's he's not that young anymore and he kind of has to it's like it's time to actually take that next level and put the team on your back and take the team to the playoffs and win some playoff games um, to really be considered one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Well, I mean, um, here's the thing at 32 yeah. years old, I don't, I, he's probably who we think he is at this point, um, which is, and, and this isn't an insult. This is true for, I mean, almost half the quarterbacks in the league. I think you could make an argument. He's a guy who can look like league average, but he also has the ability to look like a star yeah. And in any given game, and really the question is, can he maintain that for an extended period of time? The funny thing is 2018 was probably his worst season since his rookie season. And then he came back last year and was unquestionably having a career year. Right. Really got injured. And so, which I don't think really is, is a difficult thing to understand. I think it just sort of further accentuates what we were saying, which is he can look like either way. Uh, you mentioned the fourth quarter comeback. Since he came into the league, he's tied with Matt Ryan for the most fourth quarter comebacks at 28. Um which is, yep. you know, obviously pretty good. And he is uh, tied with Matt Ryan again in game-winning drives uh, behind only Drew Brees with 34. So he's definitely, you know, he's shown the ability to do that. But then, you know, he'll also have multiple games where he looks like, you know, a below-average quarterback. He doesn't have the consistency of, you know, Rodgers or Brees or any of those guys, obviously. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, you, you see the arm, the arm talent and the, the makeup that he has and, you know, the, the players love him. I mean, if, I don't think I've ever heard one teammate say a bad thing about him and they've loved him for, for years and all of his guys love him. And, you know, I, I, I root for him and I really want him to do well. You just, you're, you're right. I mean, he's 32 now. He's been there a decade. Like it's, it's getting to the time where like, you know, you are what you are. Like you have, you have to perform and you have to, you have to win some big games if you really want to be an upper echelon quarterback. So obviously he's the number one, you know, the most important part of the team by far. And we saw that last year once he went out and the team didn't win another game. So um, that's, you know, so much of the season really will, will depend on his right arm. I wanted to talk a little bit, uh, Jeremy, now it's about, the pass catchers, to me, this is, like I said, an underrated group. I think it's you know, definitely a top 10 receiving core. Galladay's still only year four. It feels like he's been around forever, but he still you know, might be getting better. Marvin Jones, uh, touchdown machine, uh, also an underrated player. Amendola, like I said, I don't know if he shot. Marvin, ha- uh, Marvin Hall had maybe like the strangest year in NFL history last year. <laughs> Alex, do you know Marvin Hall's statistics from last year? Do you know anything about what he did? No, what did he do? He had seven catches for 261 yards last year. <laughs> And it wasn't like he had a 99 yarder. None of them were for 60. So it was like mm. a bunch of like absolute bombs. All right. So, so he's got to repeat that, you know, 10 times yeah. as often. <laughs> yes. Yeah, JJ Hawkinson, by the way, he had a monster week one. I remember yes. that he was like the number one fantasy ad. And I don't think he did anything the rest of the year. No, no. And he missed a bunch of games. Yeah, I, I really want to talk about Hawkinson, who the reports yeah. out of camp. Listen, have been everybody incredibly... wants to talk about Hawkinson. That's what yeah, we every, If I'm not mistaken, Jeremy, have been incredibly positive, more than any other guy on the team, basically, about Hawkinson, right? Are you in this camp this year? Yes. Um, I've heard I've heard some mixed things. I've heard Ooh. that I've heard that his we had his, Corona also, right? So he hasn't yeah, been. Yeah, he, well, he was on that list. I don't I don't know if that confirms that he actually had it or he was you know he he was on the COVID list, whatever that means. Yeah. Um, he I I've read that he's still he he had a really bad injury. Uh, I believe it was the Thanksgiving game last year because I mm-hmm. think I was there when it happened um but he he broke his i think he broke his ankle it was pretty bad and he he missed a lot of time you know in the off season but um what i read is that he looks good but he's still dealing with effects from that ankle injury which i didn't like to hear but they said i I did read that he's it hasn't made you know it's not like it's affecting his play but he is still dealing with it whatever that means um and uh, yeah, he's a big, big piece, you know, obviously a top 10 pick when you draft a tight end in the top 10, similar to like drafting Okuda at three, you can't really miss there. Like you have to. Well, Eric to... Ebron was also a guy in the top <laughs> yeah, 10. Eric, Eric Ebron. Yeah. We've had worse because had... Ebron decided to be good after he left. Well, he, yeah. had, he had 14 touchdowns one year, but I, that's, he's still a not very, he still drops the ball and he's still, you know, he's yeah, you yeah. know, he's not a superstar or anything. Yeah. Ebron, not, I, that. If, what's type. worse, if you look at the players who were taken right after Eric Ebron, you'll probably cry if you're a Lions fan. Um, I believe that was the um, Aaron Donald. Uh, Aaron Donald, I believe, was the next pick. And then uh, uh, the great guard for Dallas. Uh, I can't think of his name, but all pro offensive lineman. It's really bad. Was that Tyron but, Smith right after him? No, it wasn't. I think it, well, was, it wasn't Lyle Collins because he didn't get drafted that year. No, no, no. I'll, uh, I'll think of it. But, but anyway, yeah. So the Lions drafted. You know, they drafted Brandon Pettigrew about ten years ago or eight, nine years ago in the first round. 
a tight end. He mm-hmm. was decent, not a first round pick, I didn't think. And then Ebron really was a disappointment in Detroit, um, especially for where he was picked. And now, you know, that's why picking Hawkinson where they did. Um, <laughs> again, that's a pick you can't really miss on if you're Bob Quinn. So I'll, I'll give him, a, you know, his rookie year was disappointing. I thought he, I didn't, I didn't see enough of him that made him look like, you know, what they compared him to, like a Gronkowski 2.0 type guy that, Mm -hmm. uh, or even like, you know, a fellow Iowa guy like um, Kittle, who I really wish he would turn into that type of player. But but. um, can can we go through the 2014 draft? Because I think it's funny for a second that, that Jeremy just brought up. Yeah. Yeah, Clowney goes first. Uh, Ultimately he hasn't performed to a first pick overall level, Um, but he certainly had some solid seasons. Then there's a really rough run. Greg Robinson, who is, you know, a thorn in the Rams side. Blake Bortles is Blake Bortles. Sammy Watkins uh, also. He's like the Blake Bortles of uh, receivers. Then listen to the stretch. Khalil Mack, Jake Matthews, Mike wow. Evans. Oh, the, the Browns go, so they have to pick someone bad. Justin Gilbert, who immediately, <laughs> you know, was on Pittsburgh, I think, within two years. I don't even know who that is. Justin Gilbert, he was a cornerback who, uh, yeah. he, he, like, made some noise oh, wow. uh, okay. just, like, forcing his way, you know, to the Steelers. Uh, Anthony Barr goes to the Vikings. Like, one of the worst players in the first 15. Anthony Barr. Eric Who's Ebron. Made four straight Pro Bowls. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Eric Ebron, who, by the way, also made a Pro Bowl, but it's easy to make as a tight end. Yeah. Um, uh, Eric Ebron. Every single player from, from five, minus Gilbert, from 5 to 17 makes, uh, I think, multiple Pro Bowls other than wow. Ebron. Uh, Taylor Lewan, uh, very good tackle. Odell Beckham, and then Aaron Donald. Then Kyle Fuller, Ryan Trazier, who made a Pro Bowl before he got hurt. Then Zach Martin, who is the fellow uh, Jeremy was talking about, and C.J. Yeah. Mosley, who, who signed the, at the time the biggest linebacker contract in history and then proceeded to get hurt and then basically quit. Um, but yes, and then, of course, the Jets go and the Jets pick Calvin Breyer, who didn't even make like the XFL this year. Um, so, yeah, that's, a, that's rough. You could have done better. You could have picked Luan. You could have, yeah. you know, if you were looking for an offensive lineman, you could pick Luan, a defensive lineman, Donald, a receiver, you could pick Beckham. Uh, yeah. Literally any position, a guard, Zach Martin, you would have had like yeah. Hall of Fame level talent. But well, let's uh, talk about the offensive line for a second. So Pro Football yeah. Focus ranked at number eleven last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank Ragnow at center is a very good player. Graham Glasgow. Uh, I'm going to say it, Alex. I'm going to say it. Yeah. Halapuli Vati <laughs> Vaitai. Yeah. Well, so I'm we can talk about him for a second. <laughs> to me, that's way too much money to give a guy whose like ideal role is a swing tackle. Yeah. Let me put tackle. it this way: If he's starting at right tackle, Dino Hunter is licking his lips because every single year the Vikings have a game against the Lions, usually at home, where they <laughs> rack up double-digit sacks. I don't understand how this team's de- offensive line is ranked above average. Yeah, I, I thought it was. I I would say it was mediocre at best last year. Um, I thought the pass protection was a little bit better last year than it was prior in 2018. I think that's when Stafford took a million sacks. I can't remember the number, but, um, but you know, that was such a huge point of emphasis last year. Um, you know, they brought in this right tackle from Philly. I, I don't know how to say his last name, Vitae, Vitae. Yeah. but, but um, I, you know, they're really trying to improve their run game now and they, you know, drafting Swift and bringing this guy in and then they drafted these guards these big run blocking guards out of uh, one out of Ohio state and one out of Kentucky. Um, I think they took them in the fourth, fourth round. Maybe they're pretty high on these guys. All I, I read these guys have uh, committed something, some kind of record number of penalties, but they, I don't know. They're supposed to be big, big run blocking guards that they brought in. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I mean, they lost, they lose Glasgow. They rag now, I think is still a good center. Um, I think one of the keys, the left tackle Taylor Decker um, had a really good rookie year. Then he dealt with some injuries. Um, I, I don't, I think he's okay. I don't think he's great. And I think he needs to be great for them to be, you know, to have a, you know, your left tackle is probably your most important offensive line position. And um, I think he's, he's probably the most important part of that, that unit, but, um, but they did, they made some changes. They're going to have a different looking, definitely a different looking right side. Uh, Rick Wagner is gone. Uh, he's, I thought he struggled a lot at right tackle. He dealt with injuries as well. He's, I think he went back to green Bay where he's from, uh, you know, a Wisconsin guy. Um, but, uh, I, so they probably are a little bit more athletic now out at tackle. I, I don't, I can't tell you, I know a ton about this guy from Philly. I, you know, I read a little bit. I have some Eagles friends. Well, he didn't play him. that much also, right? He was never really a regular right. starter. So kind of, yeah, that kind of scares me a little bit. That like, and you also want in this year more than any other year, you, because there's no preseason games, we've discussed a hundred times, but you want sort of uh, stability in the offensive line. You guys also drafted uh, guards on both sides uh, pretty early, like, guys who are you know ideally next year going to be the two starting guards if if it go if things go well yeah yeah and i i I, they're uh one yeah one of them from ohio state i think was taken first that was jonah jackson was the ohio state guy and then um the other guy yeah stenberg i think i wanted i wanted to ask i need to to fact check myself Uh, 